Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I will be somewhat of a helicopter preacher this morning. It will not take a long runway for me to to get off the ground, so I would ask that you not buckle your seatbelts or get too relaxed because we're going somewhere in the Spirit. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find a large army coming to make war against Jehoshaphat. When he received the news, Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah sought the Lord through fasting and prayer. Everyone gathered and he prayed in their presence, seeking help from God and waiting upon him. They bowed in worship before the Lord and began to sing and praise him loudly. Somebody say loudly. The very next day, Jehoshaphat did the uncommon. He did the unfathomable. He did the unprecedented. He decided to win the battle and to throw the enemy off course. I will do what the enemy doesn't expect me to do. I will arrange the praisers and worshipers in the forefront of the army. I will place them in front of the warriors, in front of the battle. And when the enemy armies heard their praise, something that had never happened quite like it in Scripture before began to amaze the singers and the musicians as the adversary, as the armies that would be opposing the children of Israel and the armies of Jehoshaphat. Something, nothing short of miraculous happened when the armies turned on each other and they began to destroy themselves. When I was freshly reminded of this scripture, it began to show me the power of praise. How praise is connected to victory and everything the enemy has put in motion against you. May I submit to us, this great audience today, praise is not based on your circumstances. Praise is not based on how you feel or how you don't feel. Praise and worship is based on who He is. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 were not just sunshine praisers. They did not worship God only when things were going well. But it was at midnight. At midnight, these prophets of God, these preachers of the gospel, turned into some jailhouse rockers. They became the original jailhouse rock. Paul, I'm sure, did not necessarily have a lot going for him physically. He probably didn't have the greatest voice either and God from that illustration alone reminds us I'm not interested in talent as much as I am in your character 
if we're not careful. As the apostolic Pentecostal church, we can get our focus off of what God looks at. God would rather have someone who will praise him out of pain. He would rather have someone in the midst of their dungeons that would rise from the ashes per se and say, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I just believe God takes great pleasure when somebody who is in his or her midnight hour still can find a praise. Constant, private worship equals powerful public worship. I'm going to say that again. Constant, private worship equals powerful public worship. You do not walk out and celebrate publicly what you have not celebrated privately. The greater your private worship, the greater your public ministry will be. What you do all week in private will determine your anointing in public. When praise is locked up, there ought to be an occasion when you're in a red light, Brother Rick, that somebody ought to see you throw those hands in the air because you just felt the Holy Ghost as you were at that red There ought to be every now and again that you just shout hallelujah as you're riding down the road. There ought to be something when you're walking up and down the hallways of your house that you'll just say, thank you, Lord. There just ought to be that in the life of a believer. What you do in private will determine the anointing in public. But let me just give you what I have been commissioned by God to send and teach us. That when praise is locked up, revival is locked up. When praise is locked up, your breakthrough is locked up. When praise is locked up, your victory's locked up. Because what does the enemy use to keep us from praising God? He'll get us looking at everything going on around us. It'll begin like murmuring and complaining and negativism and, and talk that would find fault with our brother and a sister. And I've come to tell and remind us, you're never going to experience victory while talking defeat. I'm going to say that again. You're never going to experience victory while talking defeat. Somebody ought to say yes about right now. If I could just get a few witnesses in this house, I believe that a supernatural breakthrough will settle on us like it did in the book of Acts when Paul and Silas decided as they sat in that cell, they decided I'm not focusing on how I've been mistreated. I'm not focusing on how defeated I feel or how they even would, how they even were justified in the punishment and the beatings. And to their knowledge, they could have just sat there and rotted. But let me tell you what they discovered and what someone under the sound of my voice is soon to discover the best kind of praise. The best kind of praise that God. I believe takes notice. God looks for a praise 
that is born out of our times of adversity or affliction. Sometimes he leads us into experiences that are unpleasant, that are difficult, that are painful. But I was reminded last evening afresh in Isaiah chapter 48 that behold I have refined thee but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I don't know why, but there are times when God allows every one of us to go through a furnace of affliction. There is a particular sound. I said there is a particular sound of worship that can only come from one who has been through something who has been through the trials, who had been through the fire, who had been through the flame, who had been through disease, who had been through sickness, who had been through a bitter divorce, who had been through betrayal, who had been through setbacks. But when I see you and when God looks from the balcony of heaven and he looks down upon us and he says, I know what they've been through. I know what I have escorted them through. But somehow, some." Somehow, some way, I don't know. But when they stand to their feet and when they clap their hands, there's something different about the way they worship. There is something different about the way they lift their voice. So don't judge me too harshly if I act a little crazy, if I do a little dance, if I run the aisles, if I leap. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I came out of. You don't know what I've been through that produces what I do. Because what I do is who I am. What I do is who I am. I am a worshiper. I am a praiser. You don't have to pump me up. You don't have to prime me up. You don't have to burp me before I go out that door and say, I hope you have a good week. Uh -uh. Come Monday morning when my feet hit the ground. Why? Because I've got a good memory of where I came from, what I've been through. And so when I get up, I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. Maybe there's been a fiery furnace in your health this week, Brother Shane. Maybe your marriage, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's regarding a family member. Satan wants to turn your mind around. He's wanting to turn your mind toward your situation. And he's trying to twist the purposes of God to make you feel abandoned and to make you feel forgotten. And he knows when you lose hope, you're going to lose your praise. I'm going to say that again. The enemy knows if I can get you to lose your hope, you're going to lose your praise. But what we do all week in our private times is going to determine what we do in a church service like this. Don't you be deceived by the liar, child of God. Set your heart on God who is faithful, who loves you, who has called you, 
and who's equipped you to overcome. Ah, David was a man of failure. David was a man of many setbacks. But I've learned through the life of David, the heart after God finds a way to praise him even in the heat of the trial. If you have breath, you can praise the Lord. I'm going to make it real plain for us. You may not have a job Monday morning, but you have breath. You may not have the car you want, but as long as you've got breath. You may have got a bad doctor's report, but as long as you've got breath. You may have fought demons from hell this week, but you've had breath. And as long, Brother Bryce, as you've got breath, there ought to be something on the inside of you. I know this is elementary, but there's so many ways to praise God with your hands, with your feet, with the bowing of the body. Well, let me tell you, there's something that praise, it don't need hands. It helps. It don't need your feet, but it helps. It might need the bowing of the body over to demonstrate a response to his presence. But there is a praise that needs nothing but your breath. I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care what you're going through. Maybe maybe something happened in your life and you don't maybe you don't have the outer extremities that others are blessed with. But you got a you got a breath. You've got a mouth to open, and you can utter the breath of God and declare his goodness in the land of the living. It's the praise that rises out of the furnace where you have lost everything but your breath. Have you ever lost everything? Have you ever been homeless? Me and this girl on this front row have. You've been, had to sleep in a hotel. Would have slept in a car if we'd have had to. Oh, yeah. Ask me how many times we missed church. None. Ask me how many times I missed a prayer room. None. Ask me how many times I, I looked at circumstances and because I understood. As long as there's breath in my body, we're coming through this. As long as there's breath in my body, God has a purpose. You see, it is a praise that's not attached to material possessions or specific happenings. It is a praise that comes when you praise God in spite of it all. When you go through a fire, you can see what you really have on the inside. You see, when you go through something, I've been through a house fire. I've been through a little burning of the body fire experience. And in both occasions, losing the material and losing the fleshly, it gave me a fresh appreciation for everything that God has ever given us. And I've come on this Sunday in March cold on the outside when we arose but I've come to declare and I need you to determine one thing that as long as you have breath you will praise him 
You may have to go through rounds of chemo. You may have to walk to a cemetery prematurely. You may have to suffer with a lingering illness. You may have to watch your children walk away from God. But if somewhere in the middle of the trial and breath still remains in your body, you can rise to the occasion and say in spite of it all, I will praise him. I just wish somebody would open your mouth and praise him right now. You've got breath. You've got breath. You've got breath. Somebody shout yes. I read a story about a fire some years ago, and I bring it to this message for your consideration. The local fire department was on the scene first. They hosed the outside of the building, but it was having a little effect on the inside. As the fire continued to spread and became more intense, they sent out a call for assistance from other fire companies. One of the smaller departments from a neighboring county rushed to help. They had a small budget. Their fire truck was old. When they arrived at full speed, they went right over the curb, across the yard, and right through the wall of the building, right into the fire. While they were in there, they pulled their water hoses out and went to work. They managed to put out the fire that couldn't be handled before. They were able to do more from the inside than the other fire company was doing from the outside. The next day, the owner of the business offered that little fire company a check for $10,000 in appreciation for the bravery they had showed by driving right into the middle of the fire. But in the process of an interview, the press asked the fire chief what he would use the money for. He told them the first thing they would do is buy some new brakes for the truck. Those firemen never planned to go straight into the middle of the fire. And maybe you sit on a Sunday morning and you didn't plan to be where you are right now. But God wants you to know that he has you right where you are. Because there's some things you can do from inside the fire that you can't do outside the fire. There's only some things you can do when you get in the fire. Come on, three Hebrew boys. Come on, King Nebuchadnezzar. Throw us in the fire. Put me in the fire if you want to. Cast me in bound if you want to. But the next thing you see is not only three men walking loosed in the fire. I see four walking. It would have never been revealed had they not got in the fire. Your circumstances are revealing you. Your circumstances are putting God on display. When you get in the fire is when you're going to get loosed. When you get in the fire, that's when you're going to discover, I've got to praise. I've got to praise and I've got to, i got to get it out. I've got to pray. You can't tell how powerful your faith is until you've been in the fire. You don't know how powerful and what you will do until your body's on fire. But I can tell you what an old boy did, and you're looking at him. 
with his body engulfed in flames. All I knew and all that was reminded of me when my body was on flames. My face and my arm had second and third degree burns. All I knew to do was this. Stop, drop, and roll. Because when you're on fire, it don't matter what you look like. When your body is literally dissolving before your eyes, it don't matter how you feel. All you know is I've got to get the fire put out. I don't care what it does. I don't care how I look. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they make fun of me. I'll drop, stop, and roll if I have to. That would do some of you the most good right now because you don't realize the flames are engulfing you. You don't realize the trial. You're succumbing to it. Because here's what will happen. If the flames don't get you, the smoke will. Smoke inhalation has killed more than the actual flame. And the enemy will get you getting in a fiery trial. And you get kind of disillusioned. You get disillusioned by what's going on. And you start breathing in. Is God really, is God really around me? Is God really working this for my good? Is God really hearing my prayers? And before long. Every breath in your body, you're struggling to breathe. You're struggling to lift a hand in church. You're struggling to praise. You're struggling to exist as a human, much less a husband or a father. The smoke from a fiery trial has destroyed many good men and women more than the flame. Ask the men who threw the three Hebrew boys in the fire. Just at the throwing, it killed them at the entrance. They never made it to the flames. But you hear your pastor. Some of you right now, God wants to unlock your praise. And I know what I felt as I sat in my chair where God speaks up to me and then God moves upon these little fingers to type. And I heard the voice of God tell me, I am giving back to some your dance back. I'm giving to some their joy back. I'm giving to some their shout back. I'm giving the desire back that they had thought was long gone. You may say, what in the world are you talking about? I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Some of you went to, you came to church today. You walked into this building, but you came in weary. You came in here heavy laden. And you're saying, God, I don't think I can make it through another service. I don't even know why I'm even here. I'm re Some of you had conversations even this morning. But I kind of feel like the the old playground, and some of you kids will know, and some of you will go back in memory lane. 
Some of you remember being on the playground, and I was that kid. I was always the shortest. I wasn't the biggest nor the strongest. When they began to divide us up along that fence, and everybody began to pick team members, I can remember embarrassingly confessing under my breath, please don't let me be last. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Please don't let me be last. Don't let them pick me last. I want to feel like that they want me on their team. I want to feel like somebody wants me. But it was never, it was almost without fail. At four foot 11 and 88 pounds when I got my first driver's license. It's bad when your nickname is at the same time a popular TV show. My nickname was Pee Wee. I was known my whole high school, whole high school is Pee Wee. Come on, Pee Wee, let's go play ping pong. Come on, Pee Wee, let's go play basketball. But there was always someone emphatically. I tried to become the bigger kid's friends. I tried to, but it never failed. It seemed like I was picked last. It seemed like I was never qualified to be on the team. But I hear today God saying, what qualifies you for my team is not what you may think. It's not the outer appearance of man that qualifies you. It's your willingness to endure a furnace. You want me to tell you what qualifies you to be on the Lord's team? If you are in a furnace, it's an indication that God has an assignment for you. That means he's already picked you. He's already put his stamp of approval on you. David was chosen out of the fire. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, Psalms 34, 19. But the Lord delivers him out of them. Oh, David didn't deny the trouble existed in life, but he knew God was the deliverer no matter what happened. Oh, can, 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 can we handle a few more minutes of preaching? The roast won't burn. Cracker barrel will still be open. We'll catch the, we'll let the good Baptists get their food. We'll, we'll, we'll get the scraps. David did not deny the trouble existed in life, but he knew God was the deliverer no matter what happened. Job was chosen out of the fire. He was never, he was never going to be defeated. But here, Joseph was chosen out of the fire. He was determined to serve God no matter what. He said, and I quote, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job lost his children, his livelihood, his wealth, his health, everything. He had nothing left but his breath. And in the middle of it all, he said, I've got a praise, and I've got an anyhows. I believe that's why God chose him in the furnace of affliction. Through all he endured, and Job was able to boldly say, when he hath tried me, when he hath tested me, I shall come forth as gold. It didn't say, if I come out, if I make it through this, if I get healed, if God works this out. No, no, no. I shall come forth as gold. Joseph was chosen out of the fire. 
He was despised by his own family, rejected, tempted, lied, falsely accused, and punished for a crime he did not commit. Yet in the end, Joseph knew that what men meant for evil, God would use for good. God chose him out of the fire and put him in a palace and used him to save the then known, that then known generation. The furnace of adversity does not make you. It reveals you. I'm going to say that again. The furnace you're in right now doesn't make you. It reveals you. The fire shows what you really are on the inside. You can lose your praise or you can find it in a fiery trial. Musicians and singers come. Those of you that have been with me the full 14 years of pastoring, you have heard me say this before, but for those of you that haven't, enjoy. I like to tell people that adversity adds a verse to your life. In a song, the verses change, but Brother Sparks, the course stays the same. Whatever you're going through, you can let it subtract from your life or just add another verse to it. You see, God adds a verse to me through adversity. Through verses add to your lifelong song of praise and worship. When you first get the Holy Ghost, when you get sick, you find the new verse. And you know he becomes a healer. When you suffer loss, you just discover a new verse. He's a comforter. When you're having financial difficulties, you know him as the provider. When your children are in trouble, you find out God is a protector. And as you walk through the fire, you can find that God keeps adding another verse after verse after verse to your ultimate song of praise. The course never changes. You don't know what it is? God is faithful. But the longer you live, the more verses you add. The longer you live, you add another verse. The furnace of affliction does not kill you. It just adds another verse to you. And it just says, he cannot destroy me. The furnace of adversity is revealing some of you right now. The fire shows what you really are on the inside. And it's not about what you have and don't have on the outside as you stand to your feet right now we are blessed with some of the greatest praise singers and musicians known to man and I think you ought to give them praise and give them honor but if it takes the beating of a drum or a keyboard to get your praise going you have likely never been through anything But if you've been through the furnace, Sister Andrea, if you've been through the fiery furnace of affliction, you walk in on a Thursday night prayer meeting, or you walk through this church on an any given day and just walk through the doors, and something start at the top of your head and go down to the bottom of your feet. Not a drum, not a bass, not a get, nothing. Why? Because it's the furnace of affliction that produces a praise 
that nothing else can produce. Well, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I'm not in your shoes, but I am in mine. And I've just come to tell you, you just have to turn your praise loose. Just turn it. Well, I'm not a worshiper and I'm not a praiser. What if I just informed you? You just won the lottery in Tennessee because Alabama don't have one. And I know some of you drive and spend good money to go across the line in hopes that you're going to get one. But what if you discovered, what if you discovered that you got the winning numbers and you got the Powerball? See, y'all act like I don't know. And yes, if you win it, pay your tithes on it. The devil's had it long enough. But I can promise you, Brother Shane, if you were to have won that $2 billion, I'd have heard you holler all the way from across the state line. And I'd probably, see, some of y'all didn't say y'all were going to get them, but y'all went and got them anyway. But I'd have heard y'all have been on Facebook. Y'all have got y'all's picture took. Y'all have got the big, y'all thought we got a big check for missions given. Your check would have been three times that size. And you would have told the world. But you're not a praiser. I'm just not emotional. Oh, no, you're going to worship. It's just what you're going to worship. You're going to praise, but where is your praise going to be directed? But Paul and Silas were arrested for lifting up the name of Jesus. They were beaten and shackled. The officials could chain their bodies. But they could not chain their prey. I'm going to say that again. The officials that locked them up made a dr- they, they, There's no way they could. If they would have even stuffed their mouth with a sock and put duct tape over it. I believe it would have sounded a little bit like this. I, I got a praise. You may have not have understood what they were singing. You may have not have understood what they were doing. But I believe that God's ear was tuned to two men that were shackled in chains and bonds. But what they could not chain... They let out what they could not put in fetters. They let out. And when they opened up their mouth and began to sing praises, it was amazing at what happened next. The bonds were loosed. The chains were broken. The earthquake shattered the prison. They're about to sing. And I believe there's going to be a demonstration. Some of you young people. I know you didn't know the songs that we were singing earlier. You may not know the one we're about to sing now. But I believe when we're unlocking our praise. Brother Sparks. When we unlock our praise. Our praise unlocks us. 
I know that's so elementary. That's why some of you, this is about all you'll do. That's good enough for them. But if it was good enough for Paul and Silas, if it was good enough for that jailhouse, and it was good for every prison door to be opened, I just have enough faith that what has you bound, the chains that are restricting your life and ministry, that chain that's got you tied down, if you could just begin to lift that hand, and you begin to lift that other hand, You begin to open your mouth. You begin to open that mouth. Come on, somebody. The devil don't want you to open your mouth. The devil doesn't want you to exercise the faith that you know God can do it. But one moment of praise, one moment of worship is about to unlock you.